Welcome to Pop Shield. I'm Dan, and uh, got another flashback episode for you. This one from our old podcast, Metaphoric Music Review, recorded uh, back in 2017, looking at the 50th anniversary of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. We thought we'd bring it to you since last week we talked the 50th uh, for Abbey Road, so hope you enjoy. As we mentioned at the top, the 50th anniversary of the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band was recently celebrated with a special deluxe reissue, complete with a new stereo remix of the original album produced by Giles Martin, the son of George Martin, who I guess probably everybody knows, produced the original LP. This is pretty significant because stereo sound was very new back in 1967, and while Martin and the Beatles spent weeks on the mono mix, a quick stereo mix was done in just a few hours. Of course, real fans prefer the mono version of this, but if you've ever listened to the stereo version, you'll know that it's quite bad. Uh, this is true for most of the Beatles albums. Individual sounds are like still in mono, and they just jump randomly between like the left and right channels. You know, like all the drums will be in the right, and then like for some reason the voice will be in the left, and then it'll switch or something. And it's kind of similar to the way that like early 3D movies were sort of like goofy novelty things, where like shit's jumping at your face or whatever. You know, like they didn't know how yeah. to subtly use stereo. So. To celebrate the 50th anniversary ourselves, we want to talk about both this new stereo remix and the album itself a little bit. First, though, some background. Obviously, the lore surrounding this album, which is frequently called the greatest album ever made, could fill several books. So we're going to keep it pretty short, or at least try to. Essentially, the Beatles quit touring in 1966 to focus on studio work, which freed them up to experiment wildly with innovative recording and editing techniques. It also allowed them to craft what has been called the first concept album, in which songs complement each other, flow into each other, and create one cohesive piece of work. The concept involves a fictional washed-up band, Pitchforks compares them to like a Vegas act, hitting the comeback trail, basically. Um, ironically, that concept is, is sort of abandoned after like two songs, but most of the record still does play with the idea of like, show tunes or like corny circus-like entertainment um so it's not like totally abandoned in any case sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band initiated what is called the quote album era in which artists began thinking of pop songs as small components of a larger presentation and popular music suddenly ascended to the level of high art in most people's minds like it was capable of of reaching those levels not just simple disposable things um, it also popularized the genre of psychedelic rock. Didn't exactly invent it, but it really did invent like a lot of what we think of as psychedelic music. And it kicked off what's called the Summer of Love, big cultural moment. In a way, you can kind of think of all popular music as either pre-Sergeant Peppers or post-Sergeant Peppers. So let's talk about our previous feelings about this album in general, but also its previous mixes. I, of course, uh, love this album. I, I, I love the Beatles. Um, I've, um, I've always been a proponent of the mono mixes up until, what, what was it, like 2009 when they re-released all the stuff? Yeah. I, I think up until then, you know, all the CDs you could get um, were stereo and, and the same 1967 stereo yeah. mix that was god awful so i you know when, when i found music on the internet and everything uh i can't remember the guy's name now uh dr something he had like made oh i know yeah he had made yeah. these like rips of the mono lps and stuff and they were like basically the best thing you could get at the time you know so i, I was all about those until um i guess it was 2009 or so when they finally released like that limited edition like box set of of the mono mixes um and so i like you know downloaded that and have had to keep that on my phone forever because even on like title and everything it, it's always those shit stereo uh mixes yeah. that where you know uh you're getting all the words and uh or all the vocals in your in your left ear and all the guitar in your right and it just sounds Okay, just like real quick though, would, would you call Sgt. Pepper's like somewhere in your top Beatles albums or are you not that kind of fan of this particular record? Yeah, I mean, it's not my favorite Beatles album, but um, I, you know, you, you can't deny it's, it's importance. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be somewhere near the top. All right. What about you, Darren? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, obviously longtime Beatles fan, huge fan of this album, uh, though I would probably place it around maybe like three or four uh, amongst the my favorite okay. Beatles albums, so I too, I guess you know, I think we're all probably having the same experience with the uh, the CD pressing 
of Sgt. Pepper, which I think was like from the 1980s. Did you, I, you may have mentioned that. I think it's 1987. Yeah, like is it 87? Yeah, that's when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at the time, obviously, you know, had no idea, uh, just kind of assumed that for some reason putting Paul McCartney in entirely in the left channel was a great idea. <laughs> uh, I, I also think of like that Eleanor, Eleanor Rigby. Yes. Uh, that's the yeah. worst Where, example. Like, yeah. He starts, he starts in stereo and then ends up in the channel. Yeah. It's really bad. I always think of tax man where like the whole oh, yeah, song that's... is in the left and then like the guitar <laughs> actually eventually right. comes in in the right. Uh, yeah. I think revolver is good. the worst mixed one. <laughs> Probably. But once the, uh, the remaster came out, it sounded the the mono mix was like revelatory, you know. It was like yes, ground yes. Bre- breaking for me, and I was really, really, really disappointed by the stereo remaster because, of course, they kept their mixing the same. Right, um, and we we're coming off the heels of like something like Let It Be Naked, where they had actually remixed the sound, and I have always right. been a huge fan of Let It Be Naked and that whole effort mm-hmm. behind you know clearing out all the you know the hissing and the sounds and everything and making it just as good as it can possibly be and then mixing it in a way that makes sense for today's uh you know today's yeah. audience yeah so i mean i um you know feel exactly the same as you guys and yeah so so much like hearing the mono when that 2009 set came out of this record like it made me it, it like doubled my love for it it's mm-hmm. never been like one of my favorite favorite beatles albums um you know, it would probably be like near the middle or something. Some days I kind of even prefer Magical Mystery Tour, you know. Um, but the mono, I don't know, changed everything for some reason. It was like it suddenly came together. It sounded lush. It sounded psychedelic. Um, so I was, you know, very skeptical about this. But um, I guess we should take it slow here and first just describe the sound of the album for the one to two people on Earth who haven't heard it. <laughs> Well, trying to describe a Beatles um, record without, you know, <laughs> being able to use the Beatles as a <laughs> reference is really it's a difficult, right, yeah. bit of a challenge. Um, you know, you definitely mentioned like psychedelic rock, um, and I, I think that's a pretty basic description. Um, you know, to me, uh, the Beatles have always stood out from that, even from all the, yeah. the kind of copycats that kind of came after that. Largely because it just always, they always seem to be pushing the envelope even before there's like really an envelope to push, you know what I mean? Like they were just kind of off in their own world, especially after they stopped touring, you know? Um, And no one, no one that you listen to can, is even close to what, what they're doing. And even if they're directly trying to copy them, it's Mm -hmm. just, they're just not even close. Like the Rolling Um, Stones. Ooh. Oh, okay. let's Man. not start. Not let's not start with that. Any names, but um, um, all right, all right. Fuck both of you. <laughs> but isn't it like amazing, right? Like, you, like you said about sort of doing things bef- like uh, several steps ahead of anybody exactly. else, or even when they ought to be. Like, like they could have like you know hung out at the Revolver Sound for three or four albums, and they'd still be one of the greatest uh-huh. bands ever. Right. But they just move so fast, and it's like in 1967, which is like basically the height of the Beatles power you know they are like so they're like meta you know theatrically thinking about let's pretend to be like a washed up band who's like sort of out of ideas and is like trying to make a comeback like isn't that just so fucking brilliant well for for the record uh john thought that was a really stupid idea um so it's it's mostly paul (laughs) that's why he's like Um, not the best beetle but he he is the best beetle but um (laughs) and here we go Save that for the the rankings. Right. Yeah, we'll see. You'll see how many of his shitty songs end up in the top, uh, <laughs> top here. But okay, how would you describe the sound of this record for somebody who had never heard it? It's it's difficult because it's like one of those albums that is like a benchmark. You know, it's something that you like use to compare other albums to. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of hard to do like the uh, the re- the reverse of it. it it's. I mean, it's the first time really that like the studio has been used as an instrument. And I think that like really shows, you know, you, you hear sounds on, on this that you, you, you don't hear in 1967 because, you know, they, they invented whatever technique um, they, they used to make those sounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. But obviously it's a little contentious, right? Because we've got pet sounds, which is sort of using a studio as an instrument okay, and sort of like yeah. Phil Spector was doing that, but this is like a new level. Yeah. Of like, I, I, 
this huge thing, this whole grand concept. Yeah, you're you're right about like Phil Spector, but I, I think he's using it as a instrument in in a completely different way. Pet sounds is is a little uh, you know closer to the mark, I think, but. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, I, that concept falls uh, falls short a bit, you know. After the f- first two opening tracks, and then the yeah. you know penultimate track, uh, that that's basically the only time that concept is like really there. But isn't it kind of interesting, right? How like the whole thing continues though to kind of like think about cheesy like entertainment sort of like it's so meta this record like to do stuff like you know benefit of mr kite Mm -hmm. yeah it's like a you know circus or whatever even like when i'm 64 is kind of like a corny like an intentionally corny kind of like oldies song it's like so interesting that they're doing this like they basically have like revolutionized pop music they've like started us on the course that we're going to continue on for the you know foreseeable future basically and um they're like thinking about old washed up like they're they're thinking about the kind of music that they destroyed like what the hell yeah yeah i mean that is i mean that's why they're the most famous band in the world yeah and i think that of all their albums um you know this one i i want to mention like the 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 album art which is of course incredibly famous in its own right for some reason you know and this may sound cheesy but like certain albums kind of make me think of certain colors or maybe images and stuff like that. And this album just seems to stick to that theme. As you guys are sort of mentioning the sort of like circus sort of, uh, yeah, you know, whatever uh, they, it sticks to that theme so well, like so much more than any other Beatles album, really. Um, right. you know, some arguably a lot, some of their other albums, especially the early albums are just great songs, you know, a collection mm-hmm. of great songs. This one just seems yeah. to get tied together so well. And of course having like the, Sergeant Pepper reprise there at the end to try to yeah really tidy it, it, yeah. tidy it all up kind of yeah you know it makes makes sense but even in in between like uh, you're fixing a hole and you know, she's leaving home which if you were to listen to the the you know Sergeant Pepper and then listen to that it's like whoa those are pretty different yeah. but by yeah. the time you get to that song album? exactly like by the time you get to it though it it just it just feels so right like it you know yeah you're it's right. perfectly well thought out it, it's definitely. You, the start of like uh album based pop music i mean you know other people had been doing yeah. it before but this is the first time that the biggest band in the world was was doing it yeah and it's it just sort of yeah it's the biggest band in the world but they're also sort of i think taking it to like this next level of just i mean even something like pet sounds doesn't sound like this kind of thing you know it's like it's still a, a collection of songs. Yeah, basically. but I mean, Mothers of Invention, Absolutely Free came out before this, which is actually yeah, yeah, the first, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, th- there are a lot of contentious things we're saying here, but um, you know, essentially, it's sort of they're so big that it makes that happen. Uh, I think we'll continue to sort of describe the sound as we talk about the individual songs we give our list. But first, how did you guys do with the remaster? What did you think about it? I mean, I. I adored it. You know, like I said, I was in love with Let It Be Naked. I, I think it was the superior mix to the original, you know. Um, I thought it was great. I was really hoping that those 2009 remasters would be the same thing to, to get mm. to hear all these other albums in that similar way. Uh, of course, it didn't turn out that way. So getting to hear Sgt. Pepper, like, the, it was very similar to my reaction when I heard the mono mix. Um, right. You know, everything sounded so lush. You know, the vocals were, like, so perfectly well you know clear the ringo's drums were just um sounding like i've never heard them before on right. you know sergeant pepper i was just really really impressed with it and i you know i hope that they this trend continues yeah like i, I love the mono for being like this you know it, it you lose the power when you listen to those shitty stereo mixes because this thing needs to be like so lush and like so layered and that's awesome about the mono like something like like I was always kind of like underwhelmed by Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds until I heard the mono mix when it all of a sudden becomes like this absolutely like psychedelic world you're entering. Um, was always kind of weakened by separating everything apart. And yet on this new remix remaster, they separate things apart so you can hear them individually, but you don't lose any of that power, which is right. so awesome because now I can like really, you know, hear things like on an individual basis, I can like listen to this again and again and focus on things that I, I could never really focus on. Or it's like you could focus on it with those original stereo mixes, but 
doing so was like destroying the whole purpose of the album sort of you know what i mean right and it, it and actually you know it sounds like the sound that was happening when they were recording like, I, I felt like i was right. in the studio hearing it at its absolute best not after it had been compressed onto a cd or anything else right. you know all right, Dan, moment of truth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I like absolutely um, love the mono mix. And I, I, I think it's I think it's still the, the best version of of the uh, album. But this remaster uh, remix is is what I wanted those 2009 uh, releases to be like, like yeah. Darren said. Um, they've like they've brought that album into the into the future it, it sounds like um it, it sounds fresh and, and just cleaned up in a way that um all the coriness is is of the original stereo is is completely erased and um you right. know, i mean some of the, some of the sounds like ringo's drums i think um are the like best part of this uh remix like they're just so they're just there more uh, but not in a and not in a sense that like it sounds like a new like a different record you know it's not it's not like touched with with a heavy hand but you you just it's it's brought sounds right. that like you you've never heard before and so i think it's it's uh, much more interesting you know when when i first heard about this project i pretty much dismissed it in fact i i didn't listen to this remix in, until uh, we decided to do it for for the podcast, but I, I think right. that this should be the new uh, definitive stereo mix. Um, and and yeah. honestly, you know, if, if for for your your casual person that's just gonna listen to whatever album is is on, uh, you know, Spotify, title, whatever, it, it's great to have this. Um, I I still think though that um, the mono is the definitive. It, it's hard to argue against like what the band themselves right, worked on right. yeah. um and, and i think and i think that i the to me the mono is what sounds like you're in the room with with a band playing but i i think this one's uh perfectly acceptable and uh i'll probably listen to it out of laziness when i don't have the uh mono version on my phone <laughs> yeah i really hope that they do this for all of them and i hope they do this for like other albums that are in the same situation it's like in some respects, like you can feel, and I guess I want to ask you guys quickly, like, you know, does any part of you feel weird about this, like messing with, you know, their original intent? To me, it feels like it only gets a pass because it's like proven fact that the stereo mixes were some half-assed thing the Beatles were minimally involved in yeah. anyway, yeah. like opens up an option to fuck with that. Like that's fair game because it's, you're really not like going against their intent. They just weren't really worried about it like in the future when we have um i don't know like 3d smellable sound or something <laughs> like you know we can't be like oh we're going against their intent you know i don't know this is a stupid example but you know what i mean like it wouldn't be okay if to do this with something with a stereo mix like maybe abbey road where there's like a it seems like they put work into the yeah stereo. i mean everything after uh the white album the stereo mix is all that exists right. there's a few songs here and there that are mixed in mono but yeah i i think it's perfectly fine because that the because they stuck to the original intention uh i listened to like a a, a podcast with giles talking about his um process and everything and he like completely oh. um in it he, he said he like he had his father's notes of, you know, like, we sped this tape up exactly this amount, and, you know, it was this and this. And he, like, basically used it as a framework and just used oh. modern technology to, to make it not sound like trash. He, he basically made the mono mix, <laughs> but then made it into stereo, if that makes any sense, you know? Like, he... He didn't have to do. He didn't have to bounce things down on on the the, the way you know you used to have to, um, and just you know from listening to him talk about it, he, he obviously like knew it was uh, an important thing he was doing and like had the uh, had respect with it, and and I think that's what it deserves, uh, you know, because there's been other albums, um, the Mother's Invention, all all their uh, early records when they got remastered. They completely use like new takes and some there's like extra songs sometime in the middle yeah. of the album. Some things are deleted and that's completely Terrible. the wrong way to do it. It, it, it messes, even though Frank <laughs> yeah. himself did it. So I guess maybe it's all right, but yeah, we'll fuck uh, him anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's just not the way to do it. Uh, this is the way to do that. And I think, uh, you know, any, any other projects that want to do something similar should, should look at this yeah. as, as a framework. But Darren, if you like, let it be naked, 
it seems like you're a little more willing to actually change things. Yeah, so yeah, you're right, because like, Let It Be Naked did actually use some different takes. Although, you know, are you At least they it give be? it a different name. Right. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and I think that's just because Let It Be was such a fractured, you know, process. It was very, very, very strange how all that came about, and there were so yeah. many takes um, that maybe the original did not, you know, maybe they didn't give it enough t- attention to all of those takes, and it seems like Let It Be Naked took that time and perhaps found some of the be- you know better takes. It, yeah, that's yeah. that's a little different, I guess. But to go back to what you know, Dan was sort of saying. You know, I I, I think that it's fine to do something like this. And the the thing I've always loved about the Beatles is that it feels like they've always been handled with such great care. You right. know, George Martin himself went back and you know did those 2009 remixes or remasters. Um, and obviously right. having his son do these, like I I just I have all of the trust in the world that they're going to take great care in what they do with the Beatles. Other bands though, you know, it's, I don't imagine that like, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't imagine like Butch Vig had anything to do with like Nirvana's Nevermind remaster. You know what I mean? And you right. know, a lot of other bands just get remastered. And it, it, to me, it just seems like they just turned up the volume some mm-hmm. and yeah, right. that was basically it. It's not like they really carefully went through and cleaned things yeah. up. You know, I'm hoping that like, with this, with the new OK computer that's coming out, that you know, Radiohead is—they're similar to the Beatles in the sense that they they take a great amount of care in like how their stuff is handled. So, you know, I have yeah, kind of yeah. high expectations for that. Yeah, and honestly, I think anything is fine as long as you keep it separate from the original. Don't try to replace the original. But if you yeah, want to do like, absolutely. you know, some special mix, you could release it as you know whatever special mix. Like, I, I'm fine with that. And I was even like sort of fantasizing about what if like famous producers did special yeah mixes. that was like like dr dre remixes um i don't know pet sounds or <laughs> something, something like that uh, but anyway okay we've gone on a little long but i'm really excited actually i'm sort of dreading it because i know you're gonna piss me off especially Dan, <laughs> but we're gonna count down we, we've made definitive rankings here each of us separately <laughs> of all 13 songs <laughs> on sergeant peppers and we're gonna count them down one by one here and probably fight a lot. So, Darren, what what is your least favorite song on Sgt. Pepper's? So, you know, it's re- obviously it's hard to do this. Every song right, in this album right. is a great song. Don't don't get me wrong at all. And the reason right. why this song is is picked last is largely because it's a reprise. It's the Sgt. Pepper's okay. Lawrence Club Band reprise. It's the one. Okay. No part of you likes that better than the uh, opening one. I go through phases sometimes. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's such a. It's. It, I actually do like it a little bit more than the. It's like the more first one, largely because of the way it goes into like a day in the life, you know. But then yeah, again, yeah. you have the the intro going into with with a little help from it. It's hard. It's really hard. But what was okay. your pick, Dan, uh, Gabe? Let's do Dan. Okay, Dan. Yeah, the the least good song on on this record for me is "Within You Without You." Wow, <laughs> that's that's the one I picked. That's yeah, oh, what is wrong with both of you? I actually didn't think you would do that. <laughs> Somebody needed to tell George at this time in his life. You think you actually think that that song is worse than the re- yes than the reprise? Yeah, I do. That's um, yeah, some, yeah. Some, yeah. just. Harrison needed to cut it with the, you know, Indian music shit. Uh, it's just kind of out of place. It, it's the one track that, like, really does not fit the concept at all. Like, this this okay. washed up band got a Indian, I, you know, sitar track. The, the, sitar is a, the sitar is a huge part of, like, psychedelic music. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, the sitar and stuff shows up tablas and all that show up on like a little subtle touches throughout this album and that's so it doesn't fine feel totally out of yeah. nowhere to me it, i mean it's interesting it starts side two you know on the original lp you would have flipped it over and started this song and it's definitely hurt by the fact that um george harrison already wrote this song and put it on a the previous beatles album basically uh-huh. um that's if it wasn't for that it would be like wow this is wild but like you get love you too on the previous record so it's a little bit like redundant, but I do feel like it fits. It works as like an interesting centerpiece because they're like these little psychedelic touches, but you're kind of like confused. You know, you're like, what, how is you're like listening, like with a little help from my friends and you're like, what is psychedelic about that? Or like, what, what's weird about this? It's kind of like show toony and goofy. And then it's like, you just slowly get to within you without you. And it's like this like cosmic center of the album of like sort of peering into like the surreal 
layer underneath all these songs or something. I think it really works within the album, but as a song, I had to put it last because like I would never choose to listen to it on its own. I think it has a place, but it's it's not a very good song. You disagree, Darren. Fucking absurd. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we'll hear you talk about it uh, later. Like I said, that was my last one. So Darren, what's, um, what's number 12? Number 12 for me was fixing a hole. Oh my yeah. God. Man. <laughs> That's a great song. It's a great song. Way later. It's, it's a good song, but it's, you know, it's definitely one that, you know, if I, if I was just trying to quickly get my, my fix of Sergeant Pepper, I would, I would definitely skip over it. <laughs> Yeah, that that that's a bit ridiculous. Um, yeah, <laughs> even Dan. Yeah, yeah. Even Dan got to give it up to Paul for that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not not to spoil anything, but that that is beating uh, at, at least one John song in my list. Uh, oh here, boy, yeah. well teaser. What? Call it, what? Call it a teaser. All right, what's your number twelve? But uh, number twelve is what Darren's number thirteen was. Uh, the reprise of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and like him, I, I sort of struggled with which one is. At, better you know between the reprise and the uh regular one uh i think the reprise is like a little less good because it's a reprise it's shorter it, it could switch just kind of depending on my mood and they it did switch on uh my several drafts of of this list so <laughs> yeah that's a hard one to rate but yeah. i i do love it a lot i'll talk about it a little bit later but um to, yeah to me like the where it is in the album the way it like sort of flows into a day in the life is just so awesome and it, it coming back is so exciting um but all right my number 12 is good morning good morning wow i'm actually really surprised yeah i thought you loved that song it's it's you know john was envious of um good day sunshine from revolver which paul wrote <laughs> and wanted to see if he could write as good of a song and he wrote an okay song um this is like one of the you know like if you read like you know when john did like that huge playboy interview or something where he like commented on like so many songs this is like the typical john thing where he's gonna just dismiss it as like bullshit and it it's like interesting sonically but as a song i think he's probably kind of right about that uh, yeah, I'm gonna completely disagree uh, with that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. Do, did we even mention? Because you know, people listening uh, should probably know that I'm like the biggest John Lennon stan uh, in the world, and and Gabe for many years has liked to uh, fuck with me about uh, <laughs> Paul being the better Beatle. Yeah, I'm not wrong. just fucking with you though. I genuinely like. Yeah, Paul well, more. you're wrong there, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's that is true. Gabe's always been a Paul fan. Yeah. Good morning is is no in no way the you know number twelve song on on this record. <laughs> All right. Um. So Darren, what's your number eleven? Well, uh, Dan, what are your thoughts about it being number 11? Oh, you fuck me, both of you. Oh, <laughs> I hate both of you. You were acting all scandalized just a second ago. It was ago, a trick. Man. The fuck? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this actually, I, I, truth be told, Good Morning, Good Morning, when I first was listening to this album, I hated that song. I, like, absolutely <laughs> hated it. I really did. I just thought the whole, like, you know, it just yeah, was... Yeah, yeah. So annoying, but I ended up, I, I grew, it grew on me after a while. And obviously it's still a, you know, a good song, but you know, there are definitely much, much better songs on here. It's kind of Zappa-y. That's probably why Dan likes it, but we don't know how much he likes it uh, yet. What's your number 11, Dan? Yeah, it is a little Zappa-y, but uh, number 11, as I sort of alluded to, is just the other uh, version of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Oh uh, my goodness. Basically for the same reason as a reprise, it, it I mean, it's better than being an intro, but I think it still kind of has like a little bit of that quality of like setting up the album. It's not really like a song I would just choose to listen to on its own uh, as much. Um, still a great song, but you got to You got to admit when you put this album on, you always start at the very beginning. No, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm going song by song. Like I, I was trying to think of them as individual tracks because i think it works perfectly where it is you know for the album and the same thing with the reprise i I love how it goes into day in life i love how this one goes into with a little help from my friends but just thinking them individually um it it doesn't stand on its own as well as uh, some of the other songs all right well um i can understand that but i disagree and uh, i'll be talking about a little bit later (laughs) my number 11 is uh she's leaving home what yeah, God. What? I think we get, d- first. Yeah, I, I am speechless. I'm about to stand up right where I am right now. What the fuck, Gabe? I thought, I thought for sure. I was actually thinking of you 
with that song specifically, I was like, man, I wonder if Gable put that in his top three. <laughs> yeah. Holy hell, it's, what has happened over the years. I like the story of the song, like more than the song. I think it's a nice song. Obviously, like the string thing is it works on the album, but it's sort of like musically unexciting and uninteresting. Um, again, I'm sort of like always bummed out by like here, there and everywhere is kind of like this is like sort of a redo of that from revolver you know like same with within you without you like its power is dampened by them having already kind of done this is that like totally ridiculous to say absolutely yeah what the hell are you saying right I, now i'm gonna i'm gonna agree <laughs> with darren there uh yeah we, we won't hear about that one uh for a little bit for from me i guess oh my same, god Plebs. same all right well what's your number 10 darren number 10 for me is uh within you without you Okay, so you're fucking having a fit earlier, but it doesn't <laughs> sound like it's not the worst song. I mean, it's it's a great song. It's the third worst, um, and it it fluctuated on my list. It fluctuated <laughs> on my list for sure. But I, you know, I, I like I love George Harrison, and I I think that the song, its placement, it's great. It's a little long. I will agree, yeah. but you know, I, I I like the fact there's just something very unique about the Beatles in the, in the sense that they, they had three songwriters of the four, right. you know what I mean? And, and that, that third songwriter, George always seemed to bring something that was very different than what John and Paul were already doing. That was already considered different. So, you mm-hmm. know, he gets, he gets a lot of praise for me for that. And, you know, it's not like I'm a huge Indian music fan or anything, but just the fact that, you know, he had brought that to the table and, you know, was able to make it work. Um, on it like such a monumental album i mean john and paul probably could have just been like no fuck you like get rid of this this is terrible but you know <laughs> like they did thankfully the rest of the they time. allowed him to right <laughs> thankfully they allowed him to have this one track and you know i i think it's good yeah so it kind of we, we talked about it but it, it reminds me a little bit of like some of the less like good parts of this album's legacy like that sort of couple years where everybody went psychedelic mm-hmm. and there was like a sitar on everything it's like so easily sort of parodied like it became so ridiculous you know and like it's not this it's not harrison's fault he's kind of like innovating in that way but in retrospect it sounds you know it's tainted by that you know it like mean? became the cliche you know yeah yeah i agree and and i will specify that i i don't dislike harrison i'd maybe even argue for him being the second best Beatle, but uh, you're fucking ridiculous. <laughs> if only to piss Gabe off, but uh, yeah, I just, I mean, like like Gabe had said, you know, "Love You Too" already exists. I, I could have done without both of those songs. Um, I, I think the uh, the songs he he brings to the table later on, and uh, even on some of his solo yeah. stuff, are just so much better uh, than "Within You." Yeah, Without absolutely. You. All right, what's your number ten? Dan? Uh, number ten for me is with a little help from my friends. Okay. Eh, you know, wow. it's just it's a little corny. Uh, you know, it's the it's the token Ringo track. Even though he didn't write it, we must be clear. Uh, which Darren said there's three songwriters. Ringo has two writing, uh two solo writing <laughs> okay. credits. Okay, okay. Uh, three if I if I'm correct uh, All right. combined. But um yeah, you know, it, it's just it's a little silly. Um, it's definitely like the one that's like still really trying hard to stick to that concept, and it's just a little silly. Um, yeah. but it's, it's a good song. It's just not as great as some of the other things here. Yeah. All right. Uh, my number ten is the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band reprise, and this was okay. tough to rank, but I really, really like it. And sometimes I go through phases where I I prefer it to the you know first one because it is like rocking quite hard it's like got like a weird i don't know insanity like a Jimi hendrix kind of like oh we're in the wild 60s you know vietnam's going on and shit kind of like you know and it's a little bit of a stretch but it, it just is like they're rocking with reckless abandon that they basically don't do other than like helter skelter i like it for that but yeah it's it's hard to sort of rank on its own what's um your number nine darren number nine for me is the uh the title track sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club oh. band you're trying to diss it or you just kind of like no i mean i think see it as an intro it's a great intro and like i had you know mentioned pretty much anytime i throw this album on even if i'm trying to listen to it you know just to get a fix and listen to a few songs like i I always start right here you know and i i think that it's it's solid i I agree with you that the reprise is really great and the energy there and the way it it starts off um just i don't know it's kind of electrifying but uh i don't know this is just 
it's like iconic in a way and maybe that's maybe i'm a little okay. bit uh, blinded by that all right what's uh we gotta we gotta speed up because yeah. i think we're gonna fight a lot more as we get higher up this list um we gotta choose our battles here what's your number nine dude? uh number nine for me when i'm 64 bullshit <laughs> i'm so fucking mad right now i, I can't i know <laughs> what the hell it's just i mean it's a good song i knew he was gonna pull some shit like that i'm not even surprised God. it's just it's not a great song it's it's a little corny oh my um, god you sound like john lennon speaking right now. yeah you do <laughs> speaking right through i i appreciate the compliment <laughs> Yeah, okay. You'll be hearing about that like way later. Way um, later. <laughs> my number nine is Being for the Benefit of Mr. Oh, Kite. Fuck you. Okay. That song is so great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be hearing about that one way later. All right. We're getting into the area where like I 100% love all of the rest of the songs, even though like I had to put them a little lower. Um, I adore this song, but I realized that I kind of only adore it for like the sort of bridge and outro which are like fucking psychedelic trips like that the doors and pink floyd just wish they could do you know what i'm mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. oh yeah the rest of the song is is fine but those are so good so it was like i couldn't you know but it, it's still quite excellent um what's your number eight darren well my number eight is actually being for the benefit of ah, mr kite as well fuck you so, too okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah what i would add to that like it, it's like a perfectly crafted like I couldn't think of a better circus sounding kind of yeah. song. You know what I mean? I, I think that he, he absolutely nailed it. I love the story. You know, he saw that, like, what was it? A circus poster, Dan? And yeah, it's a poster he bought. Basically yeah. wrote the lyrics based off right off of that. I mean, it, it's so yeah. cool, you know, and it's, it's, there's just nothing else to compare it to. All right. What's your number eight, Dan? Watch him say being for the benefit of Mr. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, no, you'll, uh, you'll hear about that one, uh, much, much later on. Uh, n- number eight for me is getting better. Oh, like you guys said, I mean, this, this is the point where it's kind of even hard to divide everything up because uh, these are songs where it's hard to even find a fault in any of them. I don't know. This this song is a little of all the songs that I, uh, you know, absolutely love. It's, it's slightly corny, like the, you know, have to admit it's getting better. And it's like, couldn't get much worse. Yeah. It's a little if i gotta find a fault uh, it, it gets a little uh, corny what i love that but okay All right. <laughs> yeah fair enough you can have your your opinion yeah i can feel that um you know you feel like paul wrote a perfect song and then john ruined it a little bit with this <laughs> little backing vocal thing but um okay my number eight is uh with a little help from my friends you know again we're getting into like perfection territory here but yeah it's just got like that sort of like corniness you know where it's keeping the the concept going and basically everything dan said although it's like who's that dude joe cocker wonder years oh yeah yeah yeah. he turned that into like a bona fide fucking great song you know what i mean (laughs) yeah like how did i I would have never even heard that in it but i um, thought they were two different songs for a long yeah never never knew it's testament to the beatles power where like a song it just sounds kind of goofy and throwaway like deep inside it is some always some like unbelievably magnificent song but um what's your number seven darren number seven for me is actually uh with a little help from my friends okay Um, so you feel me on that yeah pretty much i mean nothing really else to add to that uh you know i think it's just you know great song uh well you know well written i think it was a smart choice to give that to ringo Um, i think he's he's just kind of perfect for that sort of goofy sort yeah, of fun yeah. song you know so okay it's your number seven dan uh number seven this one is it's gonna shock you it's gonna shock both of you uh number seven okay. for me lucy in the sky with diamonds wow 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 i'm actually pissed what off the at for, hell? for doing that to john lennon uh you know this is one of my least favorite uh lennon uh <laughs> tracks from the beatles uh it just i i think it might just be that i've heard it way too many times you know um but i just i just don't love it as as much of uh as some of his other stuff um so yeah that's that's my my big shocker you, you didn't feel like it took shit. on like a new life with the stereo mix i mean i just felt like it was so yeah the the, the new stereo mix of it was was really uh great but you know it didn't didn't change my ranking yeah it did always kind of strike me as like a well yeah it is a redo because they did strawberry fields first but it's like in the strawberry field yeah. vein and but at the same time, like it's 
it's magnificent. I mean, I'll talk about it a little bit more later, but like I said, I was saying earlier, like the Beatles could have done, they could have like chilled out at the revolver world for an album or two, you know, like every step along the Beatles way, nobody would mind if they like just chilled and rode that wave for a little bit longer. You know, they just keep moving. But Mm -hmm. so like in the case of Lucy with the sky in the sky with diamonds, I'm like, is kind of like the world that strawberry fields is, but I'm okay with him sticking around there for a little bit longer. But, uh, my number seven is fixing a whole great song. It's, it doesn't seem like, you know, it's one of those songs. There are a lot of songs in this record that are like the song itself is not as strong as it is like within the context of the album. And so sort of separating the songs like this is a little awkward, especially for an album like this. But, um, yeah, it's got like a great spookiness. And I love that. I don't know. Do either of you guys buy into like the whole being related to heroin and all of that kind of shit? A lot of this has like drug <laughs> references. Like every song seems to. Nah, I, I don't know. Did Paul doesn't seem like a, a heroin man? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, but it's like there, there's a lot of stuff on this record that I love, and a lot of, what uh, what I love about Paul too is like sometimes he's just singing about something like very directly, like just so literally, like you know I'm fixing a hole, but like it's done in such a way where you feel like there's something more going on you know obviously like paul or john is making fun of this with like i'm the walrus and stuff like that but it works beautifully on this uh track i think what's your number six darren number six for me was lovely rita bullshit yeah bullshit. I'm, I'm backing up that bullshit <laughs> well Why? again i mean anything from here on out i think is you know interchangeable and this song certainly kind of fluctuated um a few times it's a great song, though. I mean, it's not as good as the others. <laughs> oh, All right. What's your uh, number six, Dan? Uh, my number six is Fixing a Hole. Okay. Ba- yeah, basically same reasons, you know, we're only one apart there. Uh, and I, I, I pretty much agree with what you said about it. I cannot. I still can't fucking believe. Like, you think Fixing a Hole is better than Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds? Yeah, I do. I mean, that, that it's just <laughs> shocking. I don't know. L- Lucy in the Sky, it just... I feel like that song uh is is a lot has a lot to be uh at blame for for uh a lot of later shitty uh psychedelic music that would happen okay okay a little angry at it i guess all right um number six for me is getting better i i love the like weird compliment where you know john and paul are always doing this like paul's singing this like you know perfectly upbeat like positive optimistic song and then john has to add something like couldn't get any worse and it's like just that interplay between them is i think awesome i also for some reason fucking love like the sparing use of indian instruments on this track like you know like when he's like talking about like beating his woman and stuff and um (laughs) uh, which for some reason doesn't sound that menacing but um you know like the like the sort of like drone comes in there like that is just so cool like this could this could have been and has been covered as just a typical like kind of catchy pop song but like musically instrumentally i think there's so much going on here that really is what makes it more listenable than just the actual song what's your number five darren number five for me is she's leaving home okay let's hear it look you know (laughs) the the reason why it's so high is actually this is like george martin's time to shine you know what i mean he's the one who basically composed and orchestrated all of the the string instruments here okay um and I think it's just, it's absolutely gorgeous. And it sounds amazing in the stereo mix. Um, I, I love, this is, you know, this album is actually one of my favorites just because like there's so much John and Paul like together on songs. Um, yeah. The next album after this, the white album, it's a lot less. And then even, yeah. even more. It's the less last time they'll be friends. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, just it works really well it's it's a very kind of unique song so it takes all of the drums and guitars out of it and to me i don't know it's just it's gorgeous I, I i love it i've always loved it i'm gonna back you up because uh that is also my number five um wow yeah there you go, Dan. okay right. some hive mind thinking there <laughs> why do you like it i i, I like kind of like what darren said i i like the strings it, it's really um you know george martin's time to shine I kind of like the story in it, you know. It's it's a nice uh, song yeah, with a like story, story and type thing. Um, it, it's uh, it's just a it's a great song. Yeah, when Pitchfork did their write up of this for the 2009 remasters, they made like a really interesting point that it was like a lot of people at the time were looking to the Beatles to be like 
spokesmen of their the counterculture that was arising and they wrote a song about like a girl leaving her parents but it's sort of like feels bad for the parents yeah it's which like, is like sad for the yeah 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 which is like very not 60s so it's 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 super interesting to me for that but um okay my number five is the uh lonely hearts club band opening track i think it's pretty high yeah i think it's just fucking iconic like yeah to me when i put this record on like when those guitars first come in it sounds like a revolution starting like a musical artistic revolution i mean just this this little track to me like just embodies the absolute energy like of this record so much i mean you you agree with me right like it's so iconic right the opening chord strum yeah i mean i i agree with you there like i said i i tried to look at them as like completely separate entities and in that respect it's not like it's not a song i would like choose to listen to uh outside okay. of, of the album you know but i i understand your point and i, I pretty much agree with you all right all right we, we've cooled down a little bit here getting angry at each other what's your number four darren Number four for me is Getting Better. Um, again, oh, okay. another great John and Paul song. You know, this one, along with She's Leaving Home, probably could have been interchangeable for me. I, I But I've always I've always loved the song. It's kind of one of my favorites to, you know, sing along to. I think a lot of these songs are like that. But this one is one that, over the years, has just continued to be one of my one of my favorites. Okay, number four, Dan? Uh, for, number four for me is Lovely Rita. Um, it's just, uh, you know, a, another great song. Much better. I, um, I, I really like the story and, and this one, it, it's just so like ridiculous. Um, yeah. and, uh, it, it introduced the uh, term meter maid to, uh, the rest of the world. <laughs> that was only a, an American, uh, term at the time, uh, which I read, uh, the other day. Oh. That's interesting. That, you know, that's like meet, <laughs> meta maid, right? Meet yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that deserves something. And, uh, that brings it all the way up to number four. Yeah. It's just, it's just like a, <laughs> the, the, the lyrics of the song are like pretty ridiculous. You know, the whole story is just real ridiculous. And, uh, um, I, I like that. That that is one thing that I'll, I'll give Paul. He he does a good uh, story song. He does. Yeah. Of course, um, this would be the imposter Paul talking about the death of the person he replaced. <laughs> That's true, but yeah. both of them <laughs> yeah. can write a mean story. Sure. <laughs> um, all right, number four for me is "When I'm 64." A brilliant, amazing song. I have like this is now we're getting like into the top three or four. This is where it gets to the point where, like, I don't even know how to explain why they're great. Like, yeah. it's like telling somebody, you know, like, why um, the David is a good statue or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. when I'm 64, I mean, it's just, it's it's baffling how it works because it does feel like this simple kind of silly song. And I, I love, like, the meta quality of this record, thinking about corny music and entertainment, like, to ironically make pop music art for the first time like that's so heavy to me but this song to me like almost embodies that spirit of the album and and again musically it's like music it reminds me of like twin peaks i say this a lot but where it's like so normal that it's like unsettling but uh yeah what's your uh number three darren number three for me is lucy in the sky with diamonds okay to me you know unlike what dan said yes i've heard this song a a bajillion times but it's just so iconic. It kind of just wraps you in this like whole psychedelic world. You know, I think it's, I think, honestly, I think it's one of John's like finest songs, um, yeah. maybe ever. Uh, and hearing it again in the stereo mix was just thrilling. You know, um, I, I really hated the, the original, the old stereo mix. I mean, oh yeah. It sounded like oh, terrible, yeah. terrible. And actually it was one of my least favorite songs, but again, the mono mix was, was, it was a huge, it had a huge impact. And then again, hearing it like this, it's just, it's awesome great song yeah i'll just piggyback on that it's also my number three and um yeah it's it's like an incredible world it's it's always weird to me how like i just i can't not sing the chorus the chorus is almost kind of like silly the way it's written you know what i mean it's just like this simple like bum 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 like climbing thing but like right. i just i can't listen to it without singing along to the to the hook it's um but then, of course, all the psychedelic textures are insane. What's uh, your number three, Dan, the Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds hater? <laughs> number three for me is uh, Good Morning, Good Morning. Uh, <laughs> fucking crazy. How can you feel that way? <laughs> I just, I, I, I love that song. It's like a, uh, and I don't normally like songs for this, but it's just like, 
it's real it's like a real rocker you know it's uh <laughs> it's just it just hits you and i love the uh the like animal sounds at the end uh, yeah like it's like a you know the animals get get bigger uh as it goes and that's just kind of funny and uh i love this song uh another uh you know genius track from mr lennon wow such a stand what would you what would you say though if lennon was just like no nah, that was just trash mate you know i'd say i'd say he's absolutely right he's absolutely right <laughs> put it at the bottom of my list yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i love how the um like the at the end of this i wasn't sure which song to credit this to but i love it or like there's like a chicken makes a noise and then the noise is like finished by the guitar that like yeah. opens you know sergeant fever's reprise it's like <laughs> like i don't know for some reason that's a stroke of fucking brilliance um yeah okay so i said my number three already what's your number two darren number two for me is when i'm 64 and right very respectable just to kind of add more to what you had said it's just it's a it's a stroke of genius um from paul mccartney to just i I just imagine him being like you know what i'm just gonna write this uh you know little ditty here blah blah blah, like you know whatever like a 40s (laughs) great accent style song and then he just fucking does it and this is what paul mccartney is just great for but i think this is like one of his highest achievements well you you both know that uh paul wrote this song i i want to say when he was 16 uh it's like one of the first uh songs he wrote and they actually would play it um way back in the like cavern days um because the power would go out a lot and um paul would like sing it just uh acapella or whatever to kind of kill time until they got the uh amps back working so that that song is uh one of his earliest yeah it has a quality to it yeah and it does and i think like you can see where paul's career of songs have sort of followed in the same sort of footsteps you know what i mean like telling stories and you know just being real you know it, it nothing nothing is ever really personal <laughs> it's all just he, he's just a great author you know what i mean yeah, just yeah, coming up yeah. with different worlds and characters and stuff so yeah absolutely um all right my number two is lovely rita okay yeah okay hi i i don't have a i thought that would be more and uh shocking a little bit but I, um i mean i i had it at number six so i i am a little surprised i, I thought when i'm 64 would be your number two actually it could be i, I really uh, that's really a hard one but what why why lovely rita I, it's like this weird it's really a strange one i don't even know if i can explain it but it's like one of my favorite beatles songs for it's like it's just this weird one that's just like stuck with me like the like the lushness of you know like the opening like how creative that is like you know like the i'm not gonna try to imitate it but <laughs> you know like the, just like these like psychedelic flourishes in that song combined with like the strange story that it's telling are just like masterful and like just the outro you know like the it gets all like weird like and you can hear like the breath sounds and stuff like it gets like frightening for a second it's like this like normal world you're in and then like you know it's like being on acid i imagine not done it but it's just like this normal world and then you see like this crack in the simulation and you see like this dark hell underneath everything and then like closes up and like everything's fine again or so it's like i think um, unbelievable it's like just a weird personal deep deep favorite um okay and i yeah fucked up and uh didn't ask you your number two dan it's okay because uh this will cause an argument i'm sure but number two uh (laughs) being for the benefit of mr kite (laughs) isn't that stupid doesn't he just like delegitimize his whole list (laughs) i mean you're just oh my god no this song this song is super rad um i i I look there's like a weird like sinister quality to uh to like the way uh john sings during it and and i like that to to me it like almost uh it, it like is a glimpse at like uh something like black sabbath or something to come just just the way like he sings and 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 stuff it, it's got a real like doom quality to me that to it uh okay. that i like and i mean it's a it's a cool story uh it's a cool way he wrote it uh you know everything is from this poster the only thing that's different is the horse is named something different uh that doesn't rhyme as well Ooh. um but yeah it's a great song and uh fuck both of you for putting it so uh low on the list <laughs> i believe i believe i called it when i said that dan would have 
three Lennon songs in his top three. <laughs> and here we okay, are. well, don't even start there because the song we're about to say is not strictly a Lennon song. But is that not fucking ridiculous? He's got... Wasn't number three Good Morning? And yes, then number two good, is yes. Mr. Kite? Yes, yes. What the, the two hell? John Led, like, completely I, John Led songs. I so can't ridiculous. help that John Lennon is the best Beatle. I, I right, can't help it. So let's talk right. about number one. We've all got the same song, A Day in the Life. Why is this the best song on this album? Was this the only spot in your list that, like, didn't change at all? Yeah, this didn't yes. change at all. The, the two things, when I wrote my list every time, you know, I wrote, I wrote the numbers, you know, 13 to 1, uh-huh. and then I wrote Day in the Life at number 1, and I wrote Within You Without You at uh, number 13. <laughs> and those are the two things that did not switch around or, or anything uh, the entire time. Well, let's talk about, I guess, why why it's number 1 and why it, why it was so easy. Um, you know, cause I, I think we all agree that at least there are 12 really great songs here, but this one song is kind of like, to me... You know, if the world was coming to an end and there was only like one more song that, it, you know, the world could hear or be left behind yeah, after yeah. like human civilization has been perished, it would be this song. Yeah, it's got that that quality. Like if if I, you know, we wanted to explain to aliens what we're all about or something and they had uh-huh. time for one five minute song, this would be a strong <laughs> contender. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with that. Um, it it, it, it definitely it just has that quality of like when you hear it. It's a song that like you hear it the first time and you just like realize you, that it's something special. You know, it's it's not like it doesn't grow on you yeah. at all. It's just you know it's it's something uh, extraordinary. It's it's unlike any anything else that that I, I think had had been produced up up until this point in music too. Yeah, and it's got you know it's it's almost like what I was saying about Lovely Rita. It's almost like in reverse. Like it's. You know, Lennon's, you know, main song part is quite dark. You know, it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. talking about suicide and, and horrors in the newspaper and stuff. And like, it's it's like very dark, very, um, I don't know, it's real, but it it's, feels so dark. And then we get like this, like, it sounds like you're descending into hell with this, you know, the string section, mm-hmm. which is insane. But then instead of ending up in hell, you end up like in the calmest, most normal world, like right. just for a second. And then you go, you know, you, you make your way back. Especially like, uh, that, um, the alarm clock, like takes you, I know it's like, it's, it's, it's like waking so up. It's almost like waking up from, from a nightmare or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The, it, yeah. It's just set up but then so like great. Falling back into it mm-hmm. is so wild, right? It's not like a movie where this surreal scene happens at the beginning of the episode, you know, or series or whatever. And then they wake up and now the normal world takes place. It's like, we're actually in the nightmare world and, and, you know, it's like real life is the short dream. Yeah. True. Like that. Yeah. And I mean, and, and the ending those, that like giant yeah. chord, it's uh, I think it's four pianos. If I remember yeah, that correctly. Yeah. Um, or no, isn't it like five? Like doesn't George Martin play one or something? as well maybe yeah i i haven't read about it in a while so it's four or five but uh yeah i mean that that's just uh like the coolest way to end a song and um you know i mean they had to they had to to stretch it so long they had to turn the mics up like so loud uh you know you can hear like papers rustling and and people's hands yeah yeah, people standing up stuff and i thought in the stereo the new uh remix um you could you could hear that like a lot more the uh the papers rustling and and whatnot um which was a little kind of a negative uh for for that remix for me um but that that's just such a cool way to end it and um also this song has um one of my favorite linen pranks the uh dog whistle tone because uh, he thought it would be <laughs> funny to freak people's dogs out uh at the end of the record. <laughs> that's the main reason why <laughs> no, it's, just, it's, it it's a good uh linen prank um also this uh <laughs> this is one of if not the first uh things to have a a, a locked groove um at the end you know oh, the yeah. Yeah, that yeah. little like chatter that gets repeated uh on, on the record yeah, it's a yeah. it's a locked groove and i, I don't want to say with certainty that's the first one but um i I'm, I'm willing to bet i can't think of anything before it Kind of lost in the CD age, yeah. but such yeah. a badass way to end this on its original release, you know. You were going to say something, Darren. Yeah, I was just going to go back to, like, to mention, like, just the power of a song like this. Like, I, I really honestly feel like it has the power to, like, 
you know, inspire entire careers, you know what I mean? And I I can, I imagine just dozens and dozens of artists just chasing after a song like this, but never ever being able to achieve it. You know, it's like, it's like this, like when people talk about things like Beethoven, you know what I mean? It is just, it is like the pinnacle of, you know, our, our world basically. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know. That might be a good place to end, and we have gone real late. I knew we were going to gush about this fucking album forever. Mm -hmm. Hope you enjoyed that. We'll have a brand new episode for you next week. We'll be looking back at the top albums of the decade. As always, you can email us, popshieldpod at gmail.com. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. All that stuff is at popshieldpod, and we'll see you next week.